0: The thing I hate most about being a priest—that always starts well, right? The thing I hate most about being a priest is that I have to live off the charity of others. My parents taught me to be independent and self-sufficient. They taught me to work hard for a living. And I did work hard. I worked hard to get into a good college— and I worked hard to get a difficult engineering degree, one that would set me up to make a lot of money right away. I made sure that after I graduated, I would not have to rely on my parents or anyone else. And then I became a priest. Yes, the archdiocese determines what my income should be, but that entire income now comes from the Sunday collection plates. Every time I turn on my heat, or make an improvement to my house like a new thermostat, our parishes have to pay for it. And when I buy a plane ticket to go on a trip, that money started in the pockets of our parishioners. And I hate it. It's humiliating. I hate the idea that I am not self-sufficient, that I can only live because others are generous to me. I want to be independent and free, but I never will be. A minister of the gospel must always rely on his people. This system can, at times, lead to temptations. Independent preachers who do not have an archdiocesan policy to limit their income sometimes use the gospel to enrich themselves promising miracles and blessings for every dollar given to them. Or, far more often, preachers, including Catholic ones, are tempted to shy away from controversial topics or controversial actions because they worry about the collection plate drying up. Believe me, having people constantly threaten to pull their donations is a very quick way to create do-nothing priests and do-nothing bishops. But, for the most part, living off of charity is a source of virtue, because it forces me and every preacher to confront daily the reality that we live in radical dependency, dependent on the graces of God and the generosity of the people of God. There is, however... Another aspect of the church's income model that I struggle with, and it is neatly encapsulated in a story about Elijah. Elijah is a prophet of God who just won an important victory over the prophets of Baal and is now running from the pagan queen, Jezebel. He arrives at this town, Zarephath, far outside the queen's territory, and asks a complete stranger to feed him. When the stranger tells him that she and her son are only one meal away from starving, he asks her to feed him anyway. And this is where the struggle comes. Sure, Elijah is a prophet of God, but he seems to be acting like his life is more important than the life of the widow and her son, that he should be fed before her. And this is what I feel like every time I have to get up in front of the congregation and ask for money. I am painfully aware that we have many parishioners who do live meal-to-meal, bill-to-bill, and paycheck-to-paycheck. And yet, these parishioners do what they can, still trying to give 5 or $10 each week to the church. And I think about these parishioners every time I have to make a decision about money for our parishes. Is this repair, or this new technology, or this program cost really worth the sacrifices made by the people in the pews? If I have to spend a thousand dollars on something, do I really understand how many small sacrifices had to be made to bring in that money? But of course, spending money on the parish never feels as bad as spending money on myself. I know that I am comfortable, that I do not have debt, that I can budget for trips and electronics and other things that I want or need, and I know that so many of my parishioners are not in the same position. And yet, it is their generosity that keeps me comfortable. I have been struggling with this problem since I became a parish priest a year and a half ago. Is this system just? Does it accord with the will of God? Thankfully, the gospel for today has been a great help to me. Notice that when Jesus sees the widow put her two coins into the temple, he doesn't stop her. He doesn't say, Ma'am, you need those coins more than the temple does. The temple is corrupt anyway. Just keep those coins for yourself. Why? Why would the Lord let her give away so much of her livelihood? And why would he allow the rich temple to accept it? I think it's because this gospel is not about the temple, it is about the woman. The very center of this gospel is the extreme generosity of the widow, and the recognition of this generosity by the Lord. In a sense, it doesn't matter where she gave her poems, only the fact that she gave them away. And this, I think, is where I go astray in my faith. I am not the center of this story. And neither is the Church. The center of the story is you, the people in the pews, who continually make deep and beautiful sacrifices to God from your time and your treasure. The Lord wants you to know that He sees your sacrifices, He recognizes them, and He honors them. It doesn't really matter if those sacrifices are made for the Church though we are always so grateful to receive them. or if they are made for other worthy causes and charities. For the Lord values and honors is the act of the sacrifice itself, because it shows such a radical trust in and dependence on God. It reveals a deep attitude of selflessness. So as your preacher, it would appear that my job is not to raise money for the church. In fact, I ought to learn to trust God more for the material needs of our parishes, so that I never begin to treat the church like a business. Instead, it seems that my job as your preacher is to call all of us, continually, To that selfless giving that our Lord showed on the cross and that this widow showed at the temple. And then we must all trust that God will direct this generosity to the places where it is most needed by the church and by the world. And yet, Even though the Lord points to this widow as a model of generosity, we still worry about her. We still worry that, after this gospel story, she returned to a home with no food. This is why the Church, in her wisdom, pairs this story with the first reading, which shows that God does take care of generous widows, even when things seem precarious. But in addition to this parable, I also want to leave you with a perplexing line from Psalm 37. It says, Neither in my youth, nor now in old age, have I seen the righteous one abandoned, or his offspring begging for bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his offspring become a blessing. I don't think this passage from the Psalms means that no good person will ever struggle, or that every struggling person was first a sinner. But even so, there does seem to be a deep truth to this statement. Think about it. The most generous, selfless, loving people that you know. Even when they seem to be struggling, Even when they are living the most modest of lives, they always seem to be at peace. They always seem to be blessed by the Lord, including in their adversities. Though people are sometimes hurt or betrayed by those they help, especially when they're dealing with an addicted or immoral family member who might take advantage of their generosity. Still, I have never seen someone with a generous spirit abandoned by the Lord. He always seems to find a way to take care of them. My friends, I will never, ever be able to repay the extreme generosity shown to our parishes or to me personally, by you, our parishioners. And I am so grateful for and humbled by everything you have given. But please, do not be generous for my sake or for the church's sake. I have to believe that God will always find a way to take care of us, no matter what. Instead, be generous for your own sake. Give to your neighbor's your communities, and your parishes, because you know that everything you have is a gift, and you want to respond to these gifts with a giving heart. The Lord looks upon your sacrifices with great love, and he will be with you always, all the days of your life.